0: This is Essential. 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 Essential Essential. This is Essential Audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Nick Holland. Today my co-host is a new member of our team getting ready to launch a show next March, Medi Sweetie. Mehdi, like to say hi.
1: Yeah, yes. Uh, nice very very nice to be here. Nice to meet everyone and very excited to speak with you and Yada today. Thank
0: you. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean this is obviously the first show you're on, but certainly not the last. Um, so, yes, let's introduce our guest as um, MBA uh, classmates at Stanford, Anson Somali, and Yada Pinkajabwan. Uh, I believe I got that correct, Yada, without mangling it too badly. Is that right? <laughs> so, no, that I'm was so great. Sorry. Okay, good. Thank you. You trained me well. Um, you launched jibe, which is a zero commission investing platform targeting first time millennial investors in Indonesia with the goal of increasing financial inclusion. So I just get started off with. I mean, what's the backstory on this, and what inspired it? I mean, clearly this is it has been immensely successful, but you know, what was the where was the genesis of this? Where did it all start, really?
2: Sure. Uh, we actually like to believe that we have a long way to go. But uh, first of all, let me correct one thing: we're not zero commission, so we actually charge commissions normally. Um, in Indonesia, there is no such thing as payment for order flows, so nobody okay. is able to make money elsewhere and therefore everybody charges.
0: So, um, so that kil- that kills my second question by the way, but it's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I felt I had to address that upfront in case, you know, your second question, third questions following that.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um the
2: genesis of it. Yeah, the, the genesis of it is that I'm originally from Thailand. I grew up there. I went to school and worked there. Anderson, my co-founder is from Indonesia. And we have always been working in financial services one way or the other prior to going to school. Of course, not startup, uh, more traditional one. And when we went to school, we met and we started talking about things in which we are passionate about and things we think that we can make a difference in. And of course, financial services comes in the picture. And when we look at Indonesia, it's crazy. Um, at the time when we started, less than 0.4% of people invest in stocks. And in the US, that is probably 60%, considering your 401ks and et cetera involves somewhat equity, right? But it's crazy to think that in a country with 270 million people, about 400,000, 500,000 people know how to invest in stocks. It's so, so small. And the Indonesian stock market was active. So it was not a small market. It was an active market in Southeast Asia, one of the top three. And so when we look deeper into why it happened that way, and Thailand, where I'm from, we are not that developed as it in the US in terms of investment and education, but we have like a good 3-4% of the population invest in stock. Um, But Indonesia, we're neighboring, literally, with similar food, similar culture, they're 0.4%. And we look deeper into it, and we realized that a lot of people wanted to invest in stock. When we spoke to people, they... They obviously have a need for it. You have a growing country where millennials are starting to work a couple of years, save money. You want to do all of those things, but there was no product. When we started, the other alternative is you need to go to a branch, get a a stack of paper, come home, fill in all the papers, sign it with a stamp duty, which is non-existent where I come from even, um, and then go back to the Mm -hmm. branch and hand over the stack of paper, wait two weeks. And most of these people require you to have a minimum amount of investment, which might not be a lot in absolute dollar terms, but it is a lot psychologically, because not only do you have to do all of those things, but you also have to put in some, a good sum of money into this thing, which you don't know how to. So the solutions were just really, really bad for new generation. It is good for kind of worth people because obviously somebody do that for you and they go to your house, et cetera. Right. But for my generation in Indonesia was super bad. And I think that was where we kind of saw that and thought, oh my God, this is one of the largest capital markets in the world in one of the largest countries in terms of population in the world, the largest in Southeast Asia, for sure. And this is the solution they have. Whereas in the US, you have Robinhood and we were there at, at school. And so we- right. We were in California and we saw all of those things happening. We literally saw their billboards and we were like, yeah. This is crazy. It's that like nothing like that is happening in Indonesia and, and we think that we can do something like that and we can actually help a lot of people, our friends, to have a chance to invest.
0: Well, and as you say, Yada, I mean it's it's probably even more so than the US. It's probably a very digital first country, right? Other than, you know, the the very analogue bureaucratic processes in place for things like Again, taking out loans or whatever. So, I mean, it's I think, you know, clearly you could see a way of cutting through sort of the red tape nonsense out there. I think that's, you know, it's fascinating just when when these it's clearly an abundant opportunity and you've managed to get there absolutely at the right time.
2: Yeah, and, and I think timing plays a pretty important part, right? Like, I mean, in entrepreneurship, a lot of people like to say, oh, no, like, it's all my doing. But in reality, it's a lot of, right. I mean, it is your doing to, to capture the right opportunity and time. But it's mostly also timing. And we started right in the middle of COVID. So that played a role, yeah.
1: Um. So, yeah, uh, very interesting. Um. I'm, I really like what you share with us. Have you any, like your, everything you share with us is very interesting, especially for a market like Indonesia. Uh, so I would like to ask you because Indonesia is known to be a, a kind of unbanked market or like where people don't have access to all the services. Do you have any, like a kind of, uh, uh metrics about how you increase financial inclusion for the people using your applications and your services it would be very interesting to understand how you, you can catch the data and, and what, what is the impact from, uh, from you?
2: Yeah. Um. That's very interesting. So, a few facts regarding what Betty was saying, Indonesia is forty percent unbanked. So only sixty percent of the population have a bank account. Only about two to three percent of people have a card, um like a debit or a credit card, either one, And only about fourteen percent of people have access to credit formal credit that is. So it's a very kind of green field for in terms of uh, financial literacy. For us, when we started, there were about 400,000 investors. Um, right now, we have 2 million people and we account for about half of the market. So throughout the period that we were in existence, the market has also grown um, and we also account for about half of that. So I think we, we would like to think that we have contributed somewhat to the growth of investment and, and um, majority of our customer, 80, 90% of our customers are first time investors. So when they come in, we teach them how stock works and this is how you look at charts and this is how you buy your Mm -hmm. first stock. And after that, you also should diversify your portfolio. So we also feel like we have this responsibility as the first point of contact and probably the only at that point in time to make sure that people understand correctly what investment is supposed to be about and and how do they, you know, make use, make the best use of that for themselves.
0: I think it's. Again, I mean, what you're doing is is really a, it's an on route for financial inclusion in a lot of respects, right? I mean, I, I think that that's a really fascinating angle from here. So, I mean, if you use, obviously, you you know the the investment side of things as kind of the the thin end or the you know the tip of the spear, how, how do you? kind of grow financial inclusion for people beyond that because obviously investments is just one component of that so what how, how are you broadening that um, ability for them to take care of their own sort of financial futures
2: the way we think about it is um, investment is kind of it's kind of a complex thing to think about so when you are started to become financially literate you start with a bank account you start to save some money And then you start, once you have enough money and you start to learn about inflation and the fact that your rates are not the best, which is what's happening in a country like Indonesia, where in the savings account, they're giving you Mm
0: 0.5%. And everybody
2: knows now the rates are five. And so they're still getting 0.5. And once you gain a little bit of that knowledge, you start to look for something else. And when you come into investment, you usually look for first, something more passive, easy, gold, mutual funds. Of which we offer we offer mutual funds as a start for people to start learning about how to invest you immediately buy a, a basket of stocks and you don't have to worry about it per se etfs is not a thing in Indo, so you cannot really start with that uh, and then they move on to, to stocks where now they learn about mutual funds they can read what funds they are buying what stocks are there and then they get more courage to go for the individual stocks so that's how we think about it and then after that people obviously graduate into having needs for loans um, so as they go on to working, they get married, they buy their first house, have their first mortgage, buy their first car. Um, and we want to move together along with those journeys to tell people how to do that. So we're our plan is to move alongside them as they have more needs for a loan. We're there to help them together with also growing their wealth in the meantime. And and that's from a customer journey standpoint. From product standpoint, we're also doing crypto right now because for Indonesians, they um, when we came in, there were more crypto investors than there were stock investors. So it's very different mm-hmm. dynamics compared to the US where you have a very solid stock market. And most people know about stock market. In Indonesia, people are learning about stock and crypto at the same time. So to them, this is a this is a modern portfolio. So to them, it's the same. They mm-hmm. don't differentiate one to be newer uh, than the other. So we also need to cater for all the asset classes that customers are are looking at as well.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: how do you differentiate for them the risk uh, behind every product? Yeah. Because if they learn uh, equity, bonds, or crypto is very different, right?
2: Yes, we um we 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 ran into this when we so we launched stock first and we launched crypto later, and uh, we realized in the first couple of weeks that all of our customers stopped trading crypto when the stock market stopped. So hmm. stock market operated from nine until four, and crypto is obviously twenty four seven. And at four, everybody stopped. And we get so many customer service tickets because they were like, hey, why are the prices still moving after 4 p.m.? Because they thought it was the same thing. And, and that's when we realized, no, 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 we have to do a lot more education around what right. are these, these different things. And so we started by being careful without coin listing. Because I think if users are unable to be sophisticated at the starting point to identify what is good and bad, we have to take that responsibility and do the pre-screening for them. So we hmm. do that for them, and we do a lot more education. Um, we separate the experience so that it looks different, it feels different. Customer understand that they're in a different segment. We do education, but we we do believe in in blockchain, and we do believe that this is one of the revolution of financial services. And we also need our customer to understand about it and and be there when you know something Web three happens. Um, they 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 also get a chance to participate as well. So I think it's a uh, it's a lot of education, and mm-hmm. and we we have been doing education since we started. So we kind of can grasp like what these millennials would like to read and understand now that we can leverage it in the right way. But that's a that's something that we we realized after we launched that it was such a big responsibility as well
0: to 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 do. I think that's a really important point, actually, because I think I mean, Yard, you mentioned. You know, adverts or, you know, the billboards for um, Robin Hood when you were, you know, at the genesis point of of your organization. And I think it, it's fair to say that, you know, with the GameStop speculation that happened yeah. with, with Robin Hood. And then also clearly there's been a lot of, I mean, crypto is nearly a four letter word in some circumstances, or maybe it was last year. I think it's probably swung back a little bit. But certainly, um, you know, I think there's there's a danger out there that people are not educated, and because they see their favorite, you know, their favorite soccer star or rock star promoting, you know, whatever this this new platform is at the Super Bowl or wherever. That it's it's safe, you know, and it's. I think there's an important element that you're including, and that is education. So it's, you know, finding a way to to bring people into the fold and and invest, but also don't don't veer off into sort of wild speculative gambling as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And um, to me, education, whereby you tell people certain things, and you send them emails, and they read articles, and you have influencer teaching is one thing. And it can be said whether a certain part of population may not be interested to learn about it, they just want to come and just trade, right? And and those people exist. The way we take care of that is we also try to limit risk for them inside the product. So for example, for our crypto, not for our stock product, but for our crypto product, every order you make, we automatically try to force you to put a stop loss. And our stop mm-hmm. loss is always 10%. So it's a it's a bit of a product trick where if it's a power of default, we hope that if people are not sophisticated, they would just leave it. And by leaving it, if the price of the asset falls below 10%, it would automatically sell it. Because that's in, by default, is the biggest risk you would have trading crypto is because the thing moves so fast and then you sleep and then you wake up and you're like, oh my God, no. So right. we try to do those things as well that customers may not be aware that it's education as in like in your face teaching you that you're supposed to put a stop loss. We do that too. But in the case, you miss that. uh, And you're the part of the population who doesn't want to listen. We also make sure that we make it default. And
0: because you may not know, right? Yeah. You put some guardrails in place, and then we're
2: like, "Great, Cause, yes, cause, exactly." Because
0: frankly, it is the Wild West, right? Unless you're careful, and you can, it you is, know, yes. And you're, and you're right. You, you could go to sleep one night, a uh, uh, you know, a millionaire work out, wake up the next morning, and it's 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 lost zero on the end of it. So it's it's a you know, it can happen.
1: Uh, I have a question for you, because you say that you really start to get a lot of customers during COVID. So how did you engage with the people when they were locked on? How was it for you to? Uh, Grow your customer base, transact with them, and also engage uh, all your customers coming to your platforms.
2: Yeah, I I think that we um, we started in the middle of COVID, not by design. Like that was just when you know we kind of got ourselves together and started. So it wasn't really by design. And we launched a stock trading app, and I think within two weeks we were all locked down. So it was also a change from how we manage our own team um how regulators manage themselves it was very cool to see them do all these zoom meetings um, and also how we engage with our customer our customer are very online first and so we are very lucky about that so we don't ever have any physical touch point with our customer um but i think the most important thing during COVID was there was a lot of uncertainty there was uncertainty in the policy there were uncertainty in the stock market so it was a good time for us to start educating customer about how to deal with uncertainty because that's that's the life when you invest right in a market um we use social media a lot we found that customers also talk to each other a lot it is lockdown but you have friends and family who you meet very often and that's where these conversations happen like they were talking yes. about stock trading because after it tanked for a while stock market kind of went up really really quickly and that was when conversations happen. And so even during lockdown, you still have some yeah. human connections and they still talk about it.
0: Well, and, and again, back to education, you want them to have the right conversations, not it to be some sort of echo chamber about, oh, oh you should put all your money in, you know, let's say, I don't know, magic beans. So it's, it's I think it, you're doing the right things here. Yada, I mean, we have to close out the conversation, unfortunately. But I'm going to ask you one very important thing, which is... That you're coming to our show next year in uh bangkok so we are absolutely delighted yeah. to have you there as one of our speakers um what excites you the most about money 2020 in bangkok next year
2: i was very excited when i heard that money 2020 is coming to southeast asia first of all uh, i think bangkok is, i was happy that bangkok was the was the location but i feel that financial services innovation that happens in southeast asia It's quite different from financial services innovation that happened in any other parts of the world. We were taught differently. We are QR first. We don't have so much credit card, debit card. So the kind of solutions that emerge out of it, the population, the education, like the stuff about crypto and stock that they learn about it at the same time, and they're actually very more fluent with crypto rather than stock. I think those things are very new knowledge that hopefully will also, you know, like shed some light and some fun for other people who operate this in other country as well and like we we study a lot from what is happening in the us in south america and in in europe and china and i think up until this point there were enough innovations in southeast asia that hopefully it will also be exciting and fun for people from other places to to also hear about
0: may i may i absolutely concur with that statement because one of the things i'm an absolute you know fintech nerd have been for quite some time and And just going into a market that is completely new and finding sort of, I guess, novel solutions to problems that we don't necessarily have in sort of the US or Western Europe or whatever. Um, You know, we were talking to Carmen Vissalich the other day from Velocity, and she's saying about, you know, again, providing mortgage lending in India where – it's not even a greenfield site. It's it's there's no field. It's like literally you're going into you know an, air, an area that's, you know, no, it's not even on maps to sort of do property valuations, which is just insane to think of in, you know, it, it, where I come from. So I'm, I'm fascinated by these kind of like, you know, solutions that people are finding to problems that we've never come across. So for, that's going to be extremely educational, I think, from my standpoint. Mehdi, what about you? What are you looking forward to?
1: Definitely, like looking at this, this companies is very interesting, especially because when you're at financial hubs, you always heard about the same names and the banks. But when we look at the company you have developed here, it's very exciting. So yeah. very excited to meet companies similar to yours, to see the growth that you will have from now to next year as well. Uh, Absolutely, and need, yeah. What do you think about
0: this? <laughs>
2: I hope that a lot of things will happen between now and then and I can come back and share with both of you about all the new new stuff we're doing now.
0: I, I have no doubt they will, Yada. So I think, you know, we'll, uh, I trust you, you will surprise us next year. So anyway, <laughs> that's the that's the end of this episode of The Money Popped. Uh We'd want to thank Yada for giving so much uh, of her time generously. And Mehdi, do you want to uh, read us out? yeah sure uh, you can
1: find the money pot whatever you listen your podcast please subscribe and share uh, we love you Fintech Nerds, so basically listen to us and share it with everyone see you at the next show